Welcome to The Breakdown, where we dig deeper into Sunday sermon, talk about life, and encourage you in your walk with Jesus. All right, welcome to another episode of The Breakdown. Uh, I'm pretty excited this week. We have uh, a special guest, uh, William Rose. Say hello, William. Hello, everyone. This is William. Yeah, we're excited. Nick is out of town. Um, really, everybody's out of town this week. Um, I'm the only one at the office. Me and Ms. Patty uh, and Rich are holding it down. And so um, William is uh, a part of our uh, elder team. He's an elder here at Galilee. And um, I'm just going to ask him a couple of questions so that way um, you, the listener, can get to know him and I can get to know him better. So here's here's our first question, William. Okay. How long have you been a member at Galilee? Uh, we joined Galilee uh, in um, April of uh, 2018. We had uh, gone to several other Christian churches, but just didn't feel we found our niche. And as soon as we came to Galilee, we knew we were home. Yeah, that's good. Man, that, it's good hearing that from uh, a discipleship perspective because, you know, that's what we want here at Galilee. With your first time coming through the doors, we want you to feel like this is a place where you will be loved and you will be a part of a family. If you want to stick around long enough, then you will become a part of the family. Uh, so, man, that's, that's cool. Uh, what's your favorite book of the Bible? My favorite book of the Bible is Acts. Um, that might seem unusual, but uh, I like history. Um, and Acts, to me, um, lays out the history of the early church yeah. in just beautiful detail. This and starting with um, you know the day of Pentecost and all like that and going right on through Paul and um, his conversion and uh, his travels and his missionary trips and all like that um, history is is what drew me to to Acts and uh, as a matter of fact Nick just finished up a, a great series uh, with Acts last uh, uh, winter and spring and um, that even cemented my. Yeah. I know you can't go wrong with, you know, anything Paul has his hands on, you know, and especially seeing the story of Paul. Um, I'm a big comic guy and I love whenever they do the Marvel movies of like the origin story of, you know, whatever superhero it is. I feel like that's Paul's origin story. You know, how he was persecuting Christians and came and actually saw God and his whole life was changed, um, which is exciting because I think for us today, like that gives us hope that even some people that we think that may never come to Christ, they have the opportunity, just like me or you or anybody else who's come to Christ. Yes. I mean, the uh, the grace that was shown to Paul mm-hmm. is available to us. And that grace to me is such a comfort. Yeah. I'm excited. Nick's doing uh, his next class on Romans, which is another one of Paul's letters. And that one is um, very uh, rich and you know, some theological truths, and uh, I'm pretty excited to hear about his class. I'll, I'll be there on August 3rd, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So here's our next question. Um, if you could give one word to describe Galilee, what would it be? Um, well, you've pinned me down to one word, and I'm going <laughs> to take a little bit of liberty with that. I'll give it to you. Uh, the one word, if I had to uh, describe it in one word, would be caring. And the reason that I say caring is that the people we have met since we came to Galilee, uh, they truly, really and truly care for you and care for you deeply. It's not just a surface, hi, how are you? 
uh, on Sunday morning. It's a in-depth care. And then they carry that out through the week. Uh, you'll see them or you'll talk to them or you'll get a, a email or a text from them. They do care. Yeah. Um, and the other word that I have to put along with that is genuine. Since I've been in Galilee, it has impressed me how genuine Galilee is. It's not surface. It's true and genuine. I like that. I like both of those words. Uh, here's the next one. If you could give one snippet of advice to a new believer, what would it be? One. Well, I actually took that as one word. But, oh, okay. But I'll, uh, I'll elaborate way. on yeah, that. Yeah, you can elaborate on your one word. Yeah, yeah. Elaborate, uh, elaborate on that a little bit. Uh, one word that I would encourage new Christians to do is prioritize. Mm. Um, we all do things uh, according to our priority. Yeah. And if we put God first, we will do God's work first. And if we put some of the other worldly things first, um, we will prioritize those as above God. And um, I myself am, am not good at that. I'll be the first to say but if you can impress upon new Christians to prioritize their life with God at the head, I believe that they will be successful. So true. You know, we all have the same amount of time in the day. It's about how we prioritize our time. And it's the same with our, you know, our relationship with God. Absolutely. Prioritize him. Things will, will fall into place. Last one. What is uh, maybe your favorite piece of Christian literature? I don't know if you're a reader. I'm a reader, and, and I just assume that everybody's a reader. So, you know, if, if you don't, then what's, you know, what's something that you like about, you know, the Christian? Well, um, when I saw the question, I thought, well, um, he's probably going to expect me to rattle off three or four books that I've read and all <laughs> like that. And sorry to disappoint, but I can't, I'm not going to be able to do that because I'm not a big Christian book reader. Yeah. I prefer to read the Bible. Okay. Yeah. Um, I learn so much every time I read different passages of the Bible. And um, it's it's almost like if you're in a different mindset, uh, the Bible just comes through to you totally different than the last time you read it. Yeah. So to me, that's that's my number one hey, Christian. It's the one of the it's the most important pieces of Christian literature. Without it, you know, you wouldn't have all these books that I have on my bookshelf, you know. It, it makes the way and paves the way for um, you know every piece of Christian literature. That's good. Um, I've really enjoyed. I mean, this really isn't a piece of Christian literature, but I guess it is. Um, the Soul Care book that we've been doing with um, elders, deacons, and leadership staff um, that Nick has introduced us to. It's been a really helpful tool to add to uh, our tool belt. It, it is uh, very helpful. I've enjoyed a lot. Uh, uh, reading through that uh, as we've done so far, just um, probably what a third of the way through it or something yeah. like that. But it is very helpful and, and very enlightening. Mm -hmm. I like it. It's, it's practical. And that's what I love. It gives us something to practice too. When, when we get together, um, I, I started recently doing the, the four D's with Heather and it's really helped us just to be better communicators with each mm -hmm. other and to know what's on each other's heart. Um, so but hey, thanks for being on the podcast. We're going to shift gears and get into the message that, um, that Nick gave this week. Um, before we do that, uh, I did not know this about Nick, that he was uh, a basketball guy in, in college. So he starts off uh, his sermon with um, the question of why do, we, why do we judge these pro 
um, the sports people, whenever they miss a shot, you're like, oh, that's, it's so easy. You know, it's just a layup and he missed the layup. And he gives this illustration of, of uh, he had the chance to uh, make kind of a, a last second shot. And uh, man, there's a lot of pressure and he ended up uh, not making it. And it was something that, you know, we as basketball players and, and basketball junkies were like, oh, you practice that a thousand times. Like you should be able to hit that shot. And uh, so that was pretty cool to, to learn about Nick. Uh, he was a basketball uh, player in, in, at the Bible College that he went to. It was cool to learn about it. I, I had known that he played, but uh, uh, he, like many of the rest of us, have, have practiced shots like that over and over, and uh, I'm sure he was disappointed. <laughs> I, I know he was because I, I could definitely empathize with him on that one. Um, yes. But we've been going through a series called Keeping Score, uh, What We Lose When We Keep Score. And the whole premise behind this series is, is understanding that when we keep score, we lose out on really what, what God's called us to be and experience in this life. And um, this is part three. And the title of this sermon is, I Didn't Do It. <laughs> and uh, our main scripture from uh, this sermon is Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 12. And really, um, this is a pretty powerful chapter in Matthew because the first 12 verses kind of set up um, for what, what we call the seven woes. And it's, it's pretty powerful, the language that Jesus uses to the teachers of the law here. And so uh, what we're going to do today is we're going to just kind of take this a couple of verses at a time and then hit on a couple of points that Nick made and then uh, wrap this up and put a pretty bow on it, hopefully. Uh, so let's, let's read the, the first couple of verses. It says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must obey them and do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. And so Jesus points out there's a problem here. There's a problem with these, these teachers that, man, it's probably the, the one thing that I would never want anybody to say about me. He doesn't, he doesn't practice what he preaches. And so they were saying all the right things, but they weren't living them out. They've, they've taken the law and used it to bind and burden the people. Man, that's, that's definitely not what, what God had in store for, you know, these teachers to do. I don't believe so. I, I believe they were doing the do what I say, not what I do. Yeah. And that doesn't work too well, in my opinion. No, especially if what they're doing is not according to Scripture. Um, and, and later on, we'll see, you know, what they were really doing. And, um, and in here, I, I found verse 4 to be really interesting, where it says, um, they tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. And so it's this relationship between teacher and student where the teacher is binding this on, on the students uh, and, and making this a heavy burden to bear, but they're not willing to walk alongside of them. You know, it's really quite the opposite of what Jesus is, is preaching and, you know, living because he has these 12 disciples alongside of him. And Jesus could have easily said, hey, you're not doing this right, this right, this right, and this right. You need to get it together. But he he, he rarely even uses his authority in that way to call them out. What he does is he walks alongside of them. And I think that's a very important point for this, um, 
this little piece. I agree. And, and as Jesus says, uh, your yoke is not heavy. Mm. The one that he puts on us Absolutely. is not. But these Pharisees were doing quite the opposite, I believe. Yeah, they, they were saying, hey, these are all the things that you have to live up to. And we're not going to help you. You know, you got to figure this out on your own. And I think, you know, even um, thinking about people who may not have experienced um, a healthy church, they can have this experience where somebody from the pulpit is saying all these things and they just feel alone. Like they don't have anybody to help them uh, carry this, this burden of which shouldn't be the burden. The gospel is freeing. But when you have this legalistic mindset, it can become a burden quite easily. I think it can be overwhelming. It can be, um, which soon we'll get to uh, why here at Gallo, we don't see that as a burden because we do certain things to help you come alongside of you and whatnot. But getting ahead of myself, uh, let's look at the next uh, couple of verses. It says in verse five, everything they do is done for men to see. Speaking of these teachers, they make, um, now I'm going to butcher this word. They make their, um, <laughs> I know what it is. It's a box that they use to put um, scripture in or whatnot. Uh, and so they take that and these tassels on their garments, they make them long. And they love the place of honor at banquet and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted in the marketplace and to have men call them rabbi. So really what Jesus is getting at is they like things to be all about them. They like to be set on a pedestal. Absolutely, without a doubt. And really what Jesus is, is coming in and, and ushering in is Jesus isn't even lifting himself on a pedestal. You know, he, he eventually says that, hey, yeah, I am the son of God. I'm the Messiah to come. But the way that he does it through the cross, man, that's not the, the pedestal type of way to do things. And the example that he sets by washing his disciples' feet. Absolutely. Humbling himself in a way that, you know, these people that want to be seen probably wouldn't do that, you know, wash their disciples' feet. And so Jesus is saying, hey, these people, they love to be seen. They love to be greeted. It's all about them. And in verse 80, he picks up, he says, but you are not called, you are not to be called rabbi, for you have only one master, and you are all brothers. And so he's pointing them towards, hey, hey, this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be worrying about, really, me, God, you know, Jesus, this is your master. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called teacher, for you have one teacher, the Christ. The greatest among you will be your servant, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And so Jesus is, is taking um, what the Pharisees are doing, it, turning it upside down and saying, hey, it's really about this heart of you being connected with God. You, like you said, having your priority straight is what Jesus is getting at. What is the most important priority? It's God. And then everything else will follow suit on that. And if the Pharisees, if these teachers of the law were doing that, they would have, without a doubt, acted differently. You know, they wouldn't have burdened the people. And so, um, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they also wouldn't have, um, it seems like they really uh, wanted to be known and wanted to be in those places of recognition and wanted those best seats. Yeah. That was something that they desired. But to me, it seems more from, from the world 
than yeah. from Jesus's point of view. And the and the reason that they desired those things is later Jesus, you know, he says in verse twenty three, he says, um, "Oh, not twenty three. Where is it? Uh, let's see. Ah, twenty seven. It says, "Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs with." which outwardly appear beautiful and within are full of uh, dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. Man, that's, that's powerful words. And, and what Jesus is getting at is like, yeah, you may look like you're living the part, but your heart's not right. There's something deep within you. The roots of, of the gospel have not, have not um, gotten a hold of your heart. You know, the relationship that you have with God is tainted by the self selfishness of of your flesh. And man, Jesus gives them some, some harsh words later. If you read verses you know, 13 and to the end of the, the chapter, he really calls um, who was supposed to be really the, the masters of the law. They were supposed to understand all these things. Jesus shouldn't have had to, you know, hey, check your heart type thing. Should have, should have been like, they should have come alongside of Jesus and helped him with his ministry. But, you know, they, they didn't. And really the point that's, that Nick was making um, in his message is when we lose count of our own righteousness, we can freely walk in, in the sanctifying grace of Jesus Christ. You see, the Pharisees, I believe, were trying to keep count. They're trying to keep score. They're trying to do all the right things because um, they felt like they're, they were working out their salvation. And then really Jesus is coming and he's like, what I'm about to do is going to work out your salvation for you. Just trust in me. Absolutely. And so um, what Nick was talking about in his, his scripture was, so how do we keep score correctly? And I think this is a good lesson for everyone because we all judge. We all, we all have uh, moments in our lives where we'll either judge a brother or sister or somebody who's a non-Christian. But how do we judge well? Um, I think one mistake or one maybe um, thing that people believe is that Christians aren't allowed to judge. They say, you know, let God be the judge of everything. Well, I agree that one day God is going to judge everything. On judgment day, he will come and he will judge perfectly. But God has given us a way in which to judge, which is by his standard and his standard alone. See, the Pharisees were trying to judge by their standard, and that's what really burdened the people. Um, and, and that's not what he's calling us to do. So how do we judge well? Well, Nick kind of gives us that, right? He says, with the intent of loving people, of, of pointing people to a Savior. Um, I don't know if you've ever uh, seen or been a part of uh, the people that are on the street corners and they have all these signs. And most of those signs are pretty hard to read. Um, they think that people will be saved by these harsh words. I don't know how many people are actually saved that way. And, I'm not sure either. I, yeah. I, personally, I don't pay a lot of attention to those signs. Yeah, exactly. And I don't either because it comes from a place of almost hatred or anger or um, it's just not a loving way to do things. And, and here, Nick reminding us, there is a, a loving way to bring people to Christ. There's a loving way to point out sin. There's a loving way to to to, to healing restoration of of a sinful habit or whatnot. But most of the time, we're pretty bad judges, even when it comes to 
if we think somebody else is in sin, you know, we could be like, oh, well, I saw so-and-so at uh, coming out of uh, Kroger with uh, a brown paper bag. And it's like, well, maybe he wasn't, you know, had, had like hard liquor or something like that. Maybe they just ran out of plastic bags, but we're quick to come to conclusions we don't even know about. You know? or, or maybe it was a couple of apples. Maybe so. Maybe so. And the brown bag, you know, keep them fresh longer. And, and it's it's those little things that I think when we we stop, we pause, and, and we we show love to that person, those things will come out, whether it was true or not. I, I think of all the times where I've talked with people, I've, I've built relationships with people, and over time you know, them confessing them sin, their sins just happens naturally. Um, I meet with um, Johnny Casenza um, every other Tuesday, him and I meet for coffee. And it's one of the, one of the highlights of my, uh, my week is when we get to meet. Because we have a relationship now where if I'm struggling with something, I can come to him and I can tell him and I know that he will love me. I know that he will point me not to some three-step plan on how to fix it, but he will point me to Christ. And that's all I need is to be reminded of what Jesus has done for me to overcome sin. Like that's where the power lies. And I think really what Nick is getting at here is that's our job. Our job, your job as, as an elder is to remind us of, of the loving sacrifice that Jesus gave for us. Like that's what frees people and that's what saves people. I totally agree. And, and Nick is so good at reminding us of things. He he seems um, to almost read our mind <laughs> that uh, when we come on Sunday morning. Yes, Nick, I needed to be reminded of that. Thank you yeah. very much. Yeah. And, and it, you know, from my perspective, when I when I went back and listened to the message, um, I kept thinking about, OK, how how can. I be a better judge. And so the one area that I've really been focused in on lately, probably because I'm writing about it in my, my uh, one of my last classes is, is the family. How can I be a better job of not judging my wife or, or judging the intentions of my kids? You know, oh, you pulled that base down because you just wanted to break it. You know, when in all reality, it was probably an accident. But coming from it to be like, hey, let's lead you closer to Christ. And so when, you know, our two and a half year old doesn't obey something we say, we'll say, okay, you know, God tells us to listen and obey to our parents. That's what makes him happy. That's what um, Jesus would do. And so bringing that aspect into a situation where I could easily judge and misjudge, if I point people back to Christ, it limits my fleshly ability to mess things up. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, and when I when I get in, into that that mode of when the flesh comes out, nine times out of ten, I'm gonna mess it up because that's not the way that we're called to live. I understand. And um, it will be easier when you're empty nesters because then it's just you and your wife, and it's much much easier. <laughs> yeah. And I find myself judging less, although. Um, I judge way too much and I know that and it's one of my failings and I pray about it, but it still is easier. Yeah. And, and that's, that's really the question that, that I kept thinking was, all right, so as Christians, can we judge? And here's the conclusion that I came by and I could be wrong. 
But I think that God gives us um, a basis on what to judge, but it's on Jesus. Jesus is our role model. Jesus is um, what we strive to be. But first, before we judge somebody else, we got to look in the mirror and say, hey, am I attaining to the same measure of Christ? Absolutely. Yeah. And most of the time that answer is no. Like that answer is I'm not. I have failings. But it's in that reminder that I have failings that I can show grace to the people around me, that I can deal with my failings only through Christ, and then I can come alongside other people and help them in their sin. And that's something that um, I really kind of noticed um, in the first four verses of Matthew where it talked about how the Pharisees tie up these heavy loads and put them on the men's shoulders. And yet they're not willing to lift a finger to move them. They had the power to. They had, you know, they had the very thing that we should be pointing people to. And that's what I love about Galilee is is when, yes, when Nick has a tough sermon like this, that's hard to, that that's going to cause us to wrestle, that's going to cause us to really think about what, how we're living. We have people in our church that will come alongside of us and help us to remember this truth. And I think one of the ways that we do that well is through our small groups. Um, I, I, I love getting, I'm not officially a part of the link, but I get their emails. And so um, I get Eric's emails all the time, encouraging people with whatever was talked about the Sunday before. And it's like, that's the kind of church that we as Christians want to be a part of. That's what Jesus is, is saying. He's saying, I didn't leave you, leave you to do this alone. You have brothers and sisters in Christ that, that will uh, point you towards Christ, that will, will judge but do so in a loving way to, to bring us back into the right relationship with Jesus. That's the kind of church you want to be a part of. And I found the same thing in our Sunday school class on Sunday morning. We have uh, many people there that uh, I certainly would trust to come alongside. Yeah, and that you can share things with, and it just it makes it so much easier. And and those bonds happen over time. You know, uh, we just gotta put ourselves in a position where 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 we're being consistent and doing things like small groups, doing things like a meeting with one on one with somebody if you're really struggling with something, because that's that's the encouragement that we need. We all need to be reminded of of the the sacrifice that that Jesus gave for us. And so in doing that and judging according to Christ's standard to bring people out of sin, that's the most loving thing we can do for somebody is to preach the gospel to them. Absolutely. To remind them, to, to help them get away from sin because, you know, the wages of sin is death. But Jesus is life. And so we have, uh, we have the greatest news, but it's all about how we do it. We do it in a loving manner. And Jesus's grace is enough to cover it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, that was that was good. We're, 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 we're wrapping it up. We're almost done. Um, Nick and I like to, to end this way. We like to end uh, with saying, what are you looking forward to? Maybe it's something at the church. Maybe it's something in your personal life that you have coming up. I know you're a big golfer and you didn't get to golf <laughs> yesterday because it was raining. So maybe you're, you're looking forward to golf next week. But what's something you're looking forward to? Um. Well, yeah, golf next week would be nice uh, if it doesn't (laughs) rain. But uh, actually, I'm looking forward to Romans. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, uh, 
uh, I was, I got so much out of Acts last year when Nick went through that book that uh, uh, actually Belinda and I on our way home from church the other day, both said, we're looking forward to Romans already. Yeah, yeah. it's a great book. I, I'm kind of sad that I won't get to be a part of it because uh, I'll be starting my own connect group on Wednesday nights. Um, and we'll be going through our parenting series, which I'm pretty stoked for. Um, but at the beginning of August, my dad has uh, a convention in Savannah. And so they're going to spend a couple of extra days in Savannah. Oh. We're going to go visit. Uh, since it's super close, you got to you got to get it when you can. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Yeah. So I get to You'll see enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah. And I've never <laughs> been to Savannah. Um, so the, the time that you guys went to yeah. um, Compassion, was it Compassion? Yeah, Compassion mm -hmm. Church. Mm -hmm. uh, that's when I had COVID when uh, we first moved here. And so I couldn't go with y'all. So I missed out. So uh, God's given me another opportunity <laughs> to go and to experience uh, Savannah. But, that's uh, great. I appreciate you coming and uh, filling in and uh, doing an awesome job. I know that this is not um, your cup of tea, but now you can put it on your resume. You've completed a podcast. Well, um, I, I, part of the reason I did this was um, one of the Sunday school teachers says that sometimes you should do things that are outside your comfort zone. And believe you me, this was outside my comfort <laughs> zone today. I love it. And I appreciate you. So uh, we thank you. And uh, we will talk to everyone later. Bye. Bye-bye.